Hello church, it's good to see you, so glad that you tuned in tonight. We're going to be looking out of Genesis chapter 50 tonight on uh, death uh, and uh, what to think about it. In Genesis chapter 50, beginning with verse 22, we find these words recorded for us. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were also brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and was put in a coffin in Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for tonight. Thank you for keeping us safe. Lord, thank you for your many blessings. Bless us with your presence. Lord, let your Holy Spirit teach us from your word. Let it go forth in your truth and in your power to accomplish what you wanted to accomplish. Encourage us through it tonight. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. The book of Genesis, as we know, begins in a garden. And it ends in a coffin. Now, in between there, a lot of things happen. One author said it this way. We see people struggling with the vicissitudes of life. A vicissitude means a change of circumstance, usually not for the better. It's really an unexpected change in life, not for the better. I don't know why they just didn't say that, but they call it a vicissitude. So there's your big word. I haven't used one in a while. And so we see Abraham struggling with doubt, Isaac struggling with his family, Jacob with his carnal efforts to seize what God had already promised. And then we come to Joseph. Joseph had to deal with envy, hate, conspiracy, imprisonment, and finally he had to struggle with what to do with a famine in the land. But all their struggles may have been a little bit different, but they had a common enemy. That enemy was death. It's like the song that just has the same stanza and maybe a different chorus. Then Abraham died in a good old age. That's Genesis 25, 8. Isaac gave up the ghost and died. Genesis 35, 29. Jacob yielded up the ghost. Genesis 49, 33. And Joseph died and was put in a coffin. Genesis 50, 26. While death is universal, it is not final. And what we need to understand is that we can face death triumphantly, triumphantly because... Of Jesus and his work on the cross. We can face death triumphantly because of Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection. And so I wanted to look at two or three things from this scripture. First of all, notice that we're called to face the inevitable fact. Face the inevitable fact. It says in verse 24 of Genesis 50, And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying. Joseph said it. 
Joseph, with all of his marvelous characteristics, Joseph, with all of his faithfulness to God, Joseph, with his ability to interpret dreams given by God, Joseph, with all that he had been for God and for his people, literally a Savior to keep them dying, to keep God's promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob alive. Jacob, that man testified that he was going the way of all mankind. He said, I am dying. Romans 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 12, tells us that when it reminds us with these words. Therefore, just as through one man centered in the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. Death is universal. Even a man like Joseph could not escape death. Death is no respecter of persons. It's no respecter of age. It's no respecter of your position, your economic abilities. Death is universal to the human race. So you have to face that fact. If Jesus doesn't come back, all of us in the future will face death. But it's universal, but it's also inevitable. Hebrews 9, 27, one of my scriptures I really like, says this. It is appointed once for a man to die, and then comes or happens the judgment. In other words, with all of our medical breakthroughs, with all of our scientific knowledge, with uh, proper exercise and diet, uh, all that may help, but death still comes to everyone. And it will until Jesus stops the whole process. You see, it's appointed once for a man to die. So death is inevitable. It's universal. It's inevitable. It's an inevitable fact. But death, really if we look at it, is God's appointment with his people. Again, it says, it's appointed once for a man to die and then comes the judgment. It's appointed. God knows our days before they were ever formed, before one of them ever happened. They were written in his book. He knows. It's an appointment to come before God, to give an account of our lives. What did we do with Jesus? How did we live if we accepted him? It's an appointment that we're not going to miss. We're not going to be late for. There's no getting around it or away from it. Uh, there is no evasion of it. You see, it is an inevitable fact that we're going to die and then stand before God. Some scoff at that. And some live as if they will never die. Some don't give any thought to it because it bothers them so. Others just flippantly said, well, this life's all there is, so have at it. No, the Bible says it's appointed once for a man to die and then comes or happens the judgment we die, we stand before God. See, it's a process that never ceases, and we don't really think it's going to happen to us. Uh, Lance Foster wasn't thinking about it 
when he got up from his dormitory room back in 1988, he was a 23-year-old student at the University of Kansas, and he went to get a drink out of a vending machine. He wasn't thinking about death. He put his money in, as it so often happens. It wouldn't give him his drink. In anger, he shook it, but he shook the vending machine, that Coke dispenser, so hard it fell on him, and a few hours later, he died of in- internal injuries at 23. We could go on. Ali Asher Ahani never dreamed he would die uh, by a gun-firing snake. You say, what do you mean? In 1989, he came across a snake in Haran. Instead of shooting it with his gun, he put the uh, butt down on the head, and he was going to reach down and try to grab the snake. The snake coiled up around, and his tail actually pulled the trigger and shot him in the head, and he died by a gun-firing snake. William Curry probably thought life was just beginning in 1990. He just won a $3.6 million after the government took their part. He had $36 million he won in the lottery. He thought it was so great he could finally do all the things for his family that he'd wanted to. He'd have enough money uh, to pay off all his debts, to have some in the bank, to retire, to do things that we only dream about. And then, three weeks later, he had a heart attack and died. Brother Gary, those are awful stories. Yes, they are, but they remind us death happens to us all. Death is inevitable. Whether we're young or old, well or sick, we have the possibility of facing God because we don't know what day is circled on the calendar with our name written there, God's calendar. See, we need to make sure we are ready. Have we prepared to meet God? And apart from having a faith relationship with Jesus, we are not ready to meet God and give an account. I don't want to try to pay for my sins because there's nothing good in me. I cannot do it. Do we understand that that's why Christ came and died on the cross? To pay for our sins, to, to ha- so that we could have eternal life. And if you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not ready to have your appointment with God. Death is inevitable. That's not being pessimistic. That's being realistic. Are you and I ready to face death? In this time of pandemic, many people have died. It is just awful how many families have had to grieve. And there will be many more die before it finally settles down. My question is, how many were ready to meet their maker? If we had been one of those, would we have been ready? They didn't think that an invisible enemy could get them. They probably never dreamed. I never dreamed that we would be shut down as a nation by something we can't even see. With all of our wonderful health care providers, doctors, scientific knowledge, with all the protections we have through our military and our police and our firefighters and our uh, medics, just on and on it goes. Would you believe that a little virus, we had to have a microscope, a very powerful microscope to see, could shut everything down in our land. God may not have been the cause of this, but he allowed this to remind us we're not in control. There's coming a day when we meet the one who is in total control, the one who has an appointment circle for me and for you. Are we ready to meet him? If not, you need to do that. The second thing that I see here is not just to face the inevitable fact, we need to forecast the future. What did 
Joseph going to say? He said, I am dying, but God will surely visit you. It's a forecast that didn't happen in the lifetime of his brothers or even his sons. The Bible says it was over 300 years before God came down and visited his people to lead them by Moses out of Egypt. But it did happen. And he was forecasting the future. He said, God will surely visit you. Now realize, first of all, the divine visitation was an emancipation. You see, he held his third generation would be like his son, his grandson, at least his great-grandchildren, okay, on his knees. Maybe his great-great-grandchildren on his knees. And after Joseph, the Israelites knew suffering and pain and bondage and slavery and ill treatment in Egypt. Egypt always stood for sin and a sinful place in the Old Testament. It was not home. Joseph could look around as he was dying and say, this isn't the promised land. Joseph could look around and say, this is not the place for Abraham's seed. And in faith, he said, God will surely visit you. It was an emancipation. It was being let go. You see, he would deliver from their bondage, and ultimately God sent Jesus to deliver us from the bondage of sin as he died on the cross and rose from the dead. It's our emancipation. It's our freedom day when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior. It forecasts the future. This is not our home, good church folks. This world with all the blessings, all the problems, all the things that are going on is not where we will spend eternity. But is it not just an emancipation? The divine visitation was also a redemption. You see, it's not enough to be freed from the bondage that they were put under and then just to live in Egypt. As I said, Egypt stood for sin. And they had to be bought back with a price. You remember? Moses told them to spread that blood on the doorpost and above the door. And death passed them over. It's a picture of Jesus curving us with his blood, buying us back from the marketplace of sin. He paid the price we couldn't pay as he bled on that cross and died. You see, it pictures that Christ and what he did to redeem us. They were bought back from the slavery. They were bought back from that lamb's blood. And so were we, the lamb of God, who take away the sin of the world if we've accepted Christ. But the divine visitation was also looking forward to the consummation. Bring out of Egypt what they were designed, not just to come out of Egypt, but to be, go into the promised land. You see, to be brought out of Egypt, and brought into the promised land. We're brought out of this world and brought into our heavenly home. That's what we look forward to. We forecast the future when we tell folks, I am a Christian. I will be with Jesus. When we tell them that not only that, they can be with Jesus. Not in a place of sin. Not in a place of sorrow. Not where disease can molest us anymore. Or death. Or pain. Or suffering. But if Jesus in all of his glory in the place prepared just for us. Do we understand that? We forecast the future 
by saying, I have believed in Christ and all of his promises that he made to me. But not just that, we have the final request because in verse 25, it says that after he asks that God will, I'm dying, God will visit you and bring you out of the land, to the land which he swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 25 says, then Joseph took an oath, a solemn promise from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. You shall carry up my bones from here. Represents Joseph's faith in God or indicates his faith in God. Hebrews eleven twenty two speaks of that because Hebrews eleven twenty two says it this way: By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. He had faith that God would keep his promise. That the promised land that he had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and their seed would come about. Maybe 300 years, but he didn't care. He believed the promise. It indicated the faith he had in God. Do we have that faith? See, we need faith in God to win victory now. We need faith in Christ to win victory later. We need faith in Christ. Do we have that? If you do, take courage. Make your request. But not only did the final request indicate his faith in God, it it indicated his hope in the resurrection. Now, a lot of scholars tell me that's not in the Old Testament. Oh, I believe it is. When Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I shall see him standing on the earth even after I have died, even when the worms take a hold. You see, Joseph could see himself buried in that coffin. Joseph could see those bones. Joseph could see that coffin carried to the promised land. Joseph could see what God was going to do. And I believe he believed that there would ultimately be a resurrection of the dead. Do we understand that? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most pitiable. In other words, he was speaking that we need to realize that we have hope forever because Christ raised from the dead. And because he raised, we will raise. Do we understand that? So he had faith in God. He had hope in the resurrection. But he also, we need to understand the request that he made was honored by the children of Israel. In Exodus 13, 19, God faithful to his word and Moses instructed and they carried Joseph's bones with them to the promised land. Do we understand that? Do we realize what that really means? That God is always faithful to his word. His faithful servant was not left behind. We in Christ Jesus will not be left behind. We won't be left in the grave. We'll be raised to newness of life. We'll have a new body. We'll go to a place that is perfect because our perfect God is there. Do we understand that? I hope we do. I hope that gives you courage. My requests are that my children's children's children, if Jesus tarries that long, will be faithful to God. That they will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That they will be useful in his kingdom. I'm making my request. What are your requests that you're making? I request that this church will remain faithful to God until Jesus comes back. Are you praying that? Are you praying for your children's children's children? 
Why not? It indicates our faith. It indicates we believe in the resurrection. It indicates that God will honor our request. Answered prayer. Especially now with all the things going on. We have so much to be thankful for that we haven't been attacked so far by this disease. Understand that you still need to be careful. We still need to practice social distancing. Again, a word I never thought I would have to learn. We still have to practice the proper procedures for keeping safe. But we need to understand that God is faithful to his word and we can depend on him. The last thing that I see here is that the coffin is not final. I said in the intro that Genesis began in a garden, the Garden of Eden. And it ends in a coffin before it goes on to the book of Exodus. In the coffin, we see one of the great heroes of the Old Testament, Joseph. It said he died being 110 years old. And they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin. Now he had already by this time been in Egypt 80 to 90 years. He's there for another 300 before they carry him out. Now if you realize it, they also had to wander in the wilderness because they rejected going to the promised land that generation for another 40 years. So it was at least 340 years before they carried him across the promised land and he found his resting place in this world. But you see, it's not final. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, verse 10. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. In verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in all one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven or on the earth in him. Christ died for us, but he also gathered all the Old Testament faithful to be with him also. Do we understand that? Do we realize that? Do we trust in that? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says this, But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The coffin is not final. We need to live in a victorious spirit. Even in the midst of this pandemic, we have hope because of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Get excited in your living room. Nobody but your family can see you. Do a little holy dance before the Lord. And I'm not teasing. Do we understand that? Get excited, church. Way back during the Gulf War, some of the younger ones won't remember, but America got acquainted with our military. They had televised briefings of the Joint Chiefs of Staff and of our national defense interviewing different soldiers over there as we fought that war. And the Joint Chiefs of Staff has an official dictionary of military terms. The unabridged version has two words. We call them common words that do not exist in that dictionary. One is surrender. The other is retreat. Surrender or retreat are not in there. It goes like this. Way back on D-Day, General Dwight D. Eisenhower addressed his troops by saying, we will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck. And let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. 
I think we can learn from our military and their handbook of military terms. You see, we need to remove the terminology of defeat and the temptation to surrender or retreat and pursue nothing less than full victory in our walk with Jesus Christ all the way to where we, like Joseph, say, I am dying. Where we can say, it is well with my soul. Where we can sing, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. I would encourage you in the privacy of your home, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, to accept him right now tonight. To ask him to forgive you of your sins. To come into your life, to be the boss of your life. And he'll do that. I would encourage you, if you're down and depressed, to remember, this isn't home. And your dark days now lead to brighter days later. Hang on to the God of victory, the God of the impossible. Call out to Him in repentance and faith and ask Him to heal our land. Let His word spread from one coast to another, from north to south, east to west, and let revival break forth in our land. And across the world. Pray for our Christian brothers and sisters. Pray for the lost to come to know him. Pray for our nurses, our doctors, our EMTs, our military, our our policemen, our firemen. Pray for our church body. Pray for our extended family. God will answer and honor those prayers. He has already and he will continue to. You see, we can face death triumphantly because of Jesus and his work on the cross and his resurrection. And so maybe we just need to surrender everything to him tonight and praise him for what he does for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the victory we have in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and paying the price for our my sin and other sins. And Lord, thank you for raising from the dead by your marvelous power. And Father, thank you for the promise that because of your work, because I have been drawn to you and accepted you as my Lord and Savior, I have hope eternal. Remind others of this during this time. You be glorified in our midst. In Christ's name, amen. I will see you the next time, church. It shan't be long now. Good night.